0: Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Motivate, the Motivation Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today's guest is Bob Proctor talking about the power of your mind. I chose this clip because Bob points out a number of ways of how your thinking can influence your reality. Two things stand out to me from this lecture. The first is forgiving yourself, and the second is the law of prosperity. Forgiving yourself and moving on from the past seems really simple, but how many times have you lost sleep at night because of some awkward moment that you created in the past? Maybe you called somebody by the wrong name, or maybe you accidentally sent an email to the wrong person. These are both things that I've lost sleep over at night because of how embarrassing it was, but that's me living in the past and not forgiving myself. And that's why I really found Bob's comments on living through the rear view useful. And his other topic of the law of prosperity stood out to me because it's really important that I make space for prosperity in my life just as much as you need to as well. I like his concept of getting rid of stuff. Like if you get rid of a car, you're not going to be walking for too long before you actually get another car. These are some of just my takeaways from today's episode. That's it for me today. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's show.
1: Let the sand in the bottom of the glass represent the past. The sand in the top of the glass will represent the future. Now, really think about this. The sand in the bottom of the glass represents the past. Everything that has happened right up to this moment in your life has been absolutely essential to make you the person you are to prepare you to do whatever it is you're going to do. I'm of the opinion that we never really know what we're preparing ourselves for. But if we're using the right ideas, we can be absolutely certain it's something great. Sand in the top of the glass represents the future. There's absolutely no way that any of us can tell how much sand there is in the top of our glass. You know... I remember my grandmother when I was just a little boy, because she pretty well raised me, she and my mother. But my mother worked all day, and Grandma was the one that was home when we were small. And Grandma came to live with us a year before I was born. My grandfather had passed away a year before I was born. So when I arrived on the scene, Grandma was already there. She would probably have been around 60 at that time. So in my mind, she was a very old lady. Now, I've since changed my attitude about that, but... (laughs) At that time, Grandma was way up there. And you know, every day of my life that Grandma spent with us, I think I heard her say, I'll soon be gone, dear, I'll soon be gone. Well, you know, it got to a point we thought Grandma was never going to (laughs) go. Now, we didn't want her to, of course. She was a dear soul. She really was. But Grandma kept saying, I'll soon be gone. She was 94 when she left. 94. And from the time she was 60 until she was 94, she was saying, I'll soon be gone. Now, around the same time, I had a young friend of mine... Bob Yates. Bob and I went everywhere. We did everything together. We were, as the saying goes, as thick as thieves. And Bob was two or three months older than I was, I guess. He got his driver's license two or three months ahead of me. And I remember Bob had this sort of a panel truck. It was like a sedan delivery. Today, I suppose we would call them vans. But it was on July the 9th, 1951, Bob was coming in the Kingston Road Highway, the highway you would travel on if you were coming from Montreal into Toronto, Canada. And there's one area that some of you would be familiar with where you can either go along onto Danforth or cut down onto Kingston Road. And Bob was cutting on down to Kingston Road, and it was necessary to go under a concrete overpass. And as Bob come down there, wham, just like that, he hit that concrete overpass. And like that, Bob ran out of sand. Sixteen. Now, that was a terrible impact in my life. I'll never forget it. But if you had asked Bob a half hour before that how much sand he had in the top of his glass, he probably would have said half a century for low. He didn't have a half an hour. Now... I choose to believe that we all hope that we're going to go to bed tonight. And we're going to get up tomorrow morning, we're going to go to bed tomorrow night. But none of us know with absolute certainty whether that's going to happen or not. I remember the first speaker I ever heard was Charlie Cohen, And uh, Charlie's late for note doing what I'm doing right now, right on stage. I suppose when Charlie went on to make the speech that he went on to make, he probably thought he had lots of sand left, but he didn't. And every one of us can tell a story like this. Probably tell a number of them. See, the point is, you don't know how much future you've got. What's gone is gone. There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Some of you have had divorces. Some of you um, have probably had bankruptcies. Some of you have had terrible things happen in the past. But what's gone is gone. It's in the past. And to spend your time focusing on the past is to spend the only thing that you've got, and that's what's right here right now, because the sand never stops running. This is all we've got. And to spend your time now thinking of what happened there is making absolute certain that the future is going to be the same as the past. Now, I don't suppose many of us spend a lot of time thinking about that, but a lot of us, Spend a lot of time making that error. That's an excellent symbol. All you got is now. We're saying here, don't think in reverse. There's a great poem here, Forgive. I remember years and years ago, I suffered with headaches, terrible headaches. I got to the point where I was taking buffering for the headaches. Then I got to the point where I was taking sinuotab with codeine for headaches. It was 16 in the bottle, and I got to the point where I was taking two bottles a day. As a matter of fact, most times I didn't even remember my head not aching. But I was sort of numb all the time. Of course, with that much junk in you, I guess you couldn't be any other way. And I remember talking to this chap. I was in the Hotel Vancouver, and I was picking up two heavy briefcases or suitcases, and I was in a real rush to get to the airport. He said, what's the matter with you? He said, you look like you're going to pass out. And I said, I feel like I am. Well, he said, what's the matter? And I said, my head is aching so bad, I feel sick to my stomach. Now, some of you suffer with this, and I felt like banging my head against the wall. It was so much pain. He said, go and sit down in that chair. And I said, I don't have time. I've got to catch a plane. He said, listen, you can always get another plane. You only get one head. He said to me, do you know what forgive means? On the top of page 58, that's the title of the poem, Forgive. And by the way, he asked the question, I just thought, I probably don't. And I said, well, I don't know. He says, forgive means let go of completely abandon. Just let it go. Unequivocally, no strings attached. Now, he said, if you want to rid yourself of headaches, just forgive all thoughts that are on your mind and you just listened to me and he put me in a totally relaxed state. I felt better than I had felt for years. If you're suffering from headaches, take the relaxation tape out of your program and commit yourself to listen to it every day for 30 days. And as you let yourself get involved in that relaxation tape, you're going to forgive any thought that comes to your mind. You're going to program your subconscious mind to put your body in a totally relaxed vibration. Because you're going to find that your head is aching because of the things that you're not letting go of. And it's causing tension and it's causing an abnormal state of vibration of the cells in the brain which causes the blood to rush to the head. And as you put yourself in a totally relaxed state, you'll soon become programmed to relax. I know that I would not be able to do what I do as often as I I do it and as long as I do it if I wasn't relaxed. I am just as relaxed here in front of you or in front of this camera as if I was sitting in my den, patting Ginger, my dog. I am. For Linda's sake or Libby, you see. We have two dogs. They accuse me of favoring one of them. Now, (laughs) probably because I do. I think Ginger's prettier. (laughs) Now, study that poem. Study the meaning of it. On page 59, we say, you'll never obtain any substantial measure of material wealth if you insist upon living your life as if you are looking back through your rearview mirror on your automobile. Nevertheless, it seems to be a very common error which many people have turned into a habit. Let the dead bury the dead. Let it go. I don't care how bad it was, let it go. Five years from now, 10 years from now, when you look back in retrospect at that terrible thing that's happened, you're going to find it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to you. Advancement of all kinds is preceded by a crisis. The greater the crisis, the greater the opportunity for advancement. Or you could put it another way. You could say, out of all confusion comes order. A higher degree of order than that which existed prior to the confusion. Because you see, the confusion was a learning state. Remember, I was pointing out that business is fun. It really is. I see business as a game. It's a game we're playing. And we play to win. And when we're winning, we're having fun. And when we're losing, we're learning. Let's treat both of the experiences exactly the same. They're learning experiences. Now we say, remember the old adage which says, let the dead bury the dead. Stop looking back on your life and worrying about the things which have already occurred and which you can no longer alter. That's like trying to change the time you got out of bed this morning. You're never going to be able to do it. That stands for eternity. You cannot go back and change it since you cannot let it go. Pursuing that kind of mental activity will never lead to anything worthwhile, any worthwhile accomplishment in your life. You should understand, moreover, that all accomplishments in your life, you should understand, moreover, that all of the great achievers of the past, have been visionary figures. They did with their life what, like Scott was saying, he does with his music. He heard it in here. They see their life in here. They're building visions of a great future. We've got a vision of a great company. We've already got a great company. We want a better one. We serve a lot of people. We want to serve more. And as we do, we receive greater rewards. And because we receive greater rewards, we become more comfortable, more creative, and we can provide more service. It's a beautiful cycle that we're in. Looking into the past is a self-doom-fulfilling cycle. You just keep getting it worse and worse and worse. We've all done it, so we know what it's like. These visionary figures were men and women who projected into the future, and they did not belabor over things which had already passed. They thought of what could be rather than what already was, and then they move themselves into action to bring these things into fruition. And quote at the bottom of the page, I should have actually given the person credit for it that said it. Life is either a series of endings or a series of beginnings at the bottom of page 59. I went to a church service in Santa Ana, California and Philip Nicola, great preacher, he preached a sermon on that one day. Life is either a series of endings or a series of beginnings. If you're looking back, it's a series of endings. Look ahead, something great is coming. Leland Val Vandewall said something when we were sitting having coffee, and I jotted it down. Every time this guy opens his mouth, he drops a pearl, I'm so wise. He said, let us not look back in anger, nor forward in fear, but around us in awareness. Was there ever depth in that? Let's not look back in anger. Let's quit thinking in reverse, nor forward in fear, but around us in awareness. Take all the resentments and guilts. You know what it's doing? Resentments and guilt is simply choosing to build a negative idea here over something that someone did to you and then letting ourselves get emotionally involved in it and we move into the same vibration. Now think, I don't care how justified you may feel in holding a resentment. It's a dumb game. Ray Stanford used to tell me it was like throwing dust into a strong wind at someone else. You know where the dust is going to end up. You may feel justified, but I'm going to tell you, a person of understanding will not do it. Will not do it. That is an act, a mental act of ignorance love them. The law will see that they get their reward for what they did. You don't have to look after that. And as long as you're holding that resentment in your mind, it's like replaying the same thing over and over again. And the same physical experience is taking place. You're moving into that vibration. I had a good doctor friend of mine that says, Rheumatism or arthritis is nothing but frozen hate. It's welling on things like that. Dries up the joints in the body. What's guilt? I've done things in the past I'm not proud of. I'm quite certain you have. Many of you. And they bothered me for a long time. They really did. And I wasn't able to get rid of it. So I went to see a psychiatrist. He ended up working with us. <coughs> <coughs> That's true. He helped me, but I helped him too. <coughs> and just through a series of right questions, I developed an awareness and was gone. I have absolutely no guilt anymore. I just won't not tolerate it. That's looking back at something you did that you thought was wrong in the past and reliving it. And the same vibration takes place. You see, resentment and guilt are very closely aligned. One's directed towards someone else. The other's directed towards yourself. But you're the beneficiary of both, and neither one of them are positive. Most destructive emotions that you could get involved in. There's a great affirmation at the bottom of the page. And anyone that wants to rid themselves of resentment or guilt or a lot of disease, I would suggest you write it out probably a hundred times a day. I willingly release the thoughts and things that clutter my mind. They're all the old ones in there that you're not even aware of. And then say, I release whoever it is. Name them all to their highest good. That means happiness, health, and prosperity. Just release them. The person could be dead. It's not the person that's causing the problem. It's the remembrance. It's the idea. I release them to their highest good, and me to mine. And you see them happy, healthy, and prosperous. And you see yourself happy, healthy, and prosperous. And then you say, it is so. Thank you, Father. Father being infinite power. I want to suggest, on page 61, that you read the story of Patty's cruise? I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to read it. I want you to read it, because I sat down with her Patty's a good friend of mine. We're related. We worked together. And she had a definite problem. And over a cup of coffee, I gave her a suggestion to solve the problem. And she learned a great lesson. And any one of you can learn a great lesson from the story that's in here. You're always saying, I'd like to do this, but I can't because... You get the answer there. Now, on the next page, on page 62, if you have been guilty of allowing your sales sheets, your bank account, or the x-rays your doctor takes of your body to control the way you feel or think or view your sales, your financial position, or your health, I can assure you that just as certain as it's going to get dark tonight, there will not be any marked improvement in your life, in any of these areas. There won't be. What Paul Hutsey tell me? What would he tell you? He's been in the business 38 years. He's been in management 35. When I sat down and talked with him, he had been in the business 24 years, and he had been in management 22. And he said, I know I can get better results, and I don't know why I'm not. I know I'm a good person. I know my people are good people. But he said, I don't know why I'm not doing it. I said, I can tell you, in a boot, 15 minutes. <laughs> I said, Paul, you're thinking in reverse. You're letting the sales sheet control everything in your life, and you're creating more of the same. It's not changing. I said, you got to quit doing that. You've got to realize that the results you're getting has been controlled by the way you think. And I said, what you want to do, is keep your mind on a higher image rather than a lower concern. You take this magnificent power and you build the picture in here that you want and you let yourself get emotionally involved in that picture. And I said, Paul, it'll happen so fast it'll make your head spin. What did he tell you? In nine months, he went to the top of the company. Nine months. He had been trying for 22 years to do something. What did Al tell you? 18,000 to 500. I was saying to someone downstairs, you know, I used to read these stories in the books when I first started, and I thought, oh, this can't be true. Go follow these people. Talk to them. That's why we brought Paul Hutze in here. That's why we've had the various people stand up that we know that changes have taken place and come back to these seminars. And they keep coming back and they keep coming back. That's why you should keep watching what you're looking at. On page 63, these are just action lessons. I want you to take the chapter on Don't Think in Reverse. And I would suggest that you read it over a few times and ask yourself, what did I learn from this chapter? What did I learn from it? I would suggest you take your own voice and you narrate that chapter and the one John just went through on the razor's edge. Put them on tape. You've got a tape in your folder for your own affirmations, your own commitments, and your own goals. Take that tape and record it. Some people come to me and say, there's nothing on this tape. You know what they're saying? I'm not thinking, I'm not reading, I'm not listening, I'm not looking, and I'm not doing what the program tells me to do. Take that tape and record your commitments, record your goals, record your affirmations, your positive statements to yourself, and in your own voice, Dave said was telling me one day, he says, what an excellent idea. He said, your own voice, one that you trust. But Dave was really saying, I trust my own voice. Some people don't, you know, Dave. Read that lesson over and ask yourself what you learned from it. Now, the last lesson is a classic. I talked to a person here, right here in this spot, within the last couple of hours. And I told that person to focus in on this lesson. Focus in on this lesson. I want you to think. You want, and I want, greater good here. Positive things to happen. But understand this. I cannot set anything where this lectern stands until I get rid of the lectern. I cannot put anything where that camera is standing until I get rid of the camera. And nor can you put anything where that television set's sitting until you get rid of the television set. You must create a space for the good that you desire. I would hate to guess at the number of people that would love to meet and greet and love and, 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 and have a meaningful relationship with someone, and they're never going to do it until they let go of that old relationship. person may be gone, but the idea is still there. You've got to create a space for the good that you desire. You just must do it. And if you don't, you're never going to have that relationship. You want something in your home? We have people that come in and look after our place two or three times a week. We've got a big kitchen. There's a sofa in there, chair. We haven't liked that sofa chair for a long time. Linda says, let's create a vacuum. They were gone. Lots of room in our kitchen now, I'll tell you. Nature abhors that vacuum. Only be a period of time until there's new furniture in the kitchen. You've got to create a space for it. Create a space. When it comes to furniture and stuff like that, people have grad sales. I just say a silent prayer for them as I'm driving by their house. Having a grad sale is a dumb thing to do. Give it away. Give it away. Most people don't know how to give. Remember, I said it should be spontaneous. Here's a beautiful poem by Beer. He said, to get he had tried, yet his store was still meager. To a wise man, he cried in a voice, keen and eager, Pray tell me, what, how may I successfully live? And the wise man replied, To get, you got to give. To get, you got to give. As to giving, he said, What have I to give? I have scarce enough bread, and of course, one must live. But I would partake of life's bountiful store. Came the wise man's response, Then you must give more. The lesson he learned to get was forgotten. Think of the number of people who tried to get, 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 get. Toward mankind, he turned with a love new begotten. As he gave of himself in useful living, then joy crowned his days, for he grew rich in giving. I like that lesson. I like giving things. I really do. I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. I've had people tell me from time to time, ah, you give too much away. You couldn't possibly give too much away. What a dumb statement. What a dumb statement. You ought to take part of all you get and put it back where it came from. If a farmer doesn't do that, you're soon going to have a poor farmer. They are what you call dumb farmers. Farmer takes part of his crop, puts it back in the ground. And if you don't take part of all you receive and put it back where you got it from, you're not going to get much more. We hold on to old ideas. Why do we do all these things? We're insecure. We're insecure. Remember how physical we are? We've got lots of physical things around us. We feel comfortable. Do you ever watch the advertisement on television that American Express have? See a young couple having a great time, you know, nice music, and all of a sudden, ah! <laughs> we lost our credit cards! And you hear this voice, you have now express. <laughs> and a calmness comes over them. Do you ever drive downtown, you go to park your car and you reach for your purse or put your hand in your pocket and all of a sudden you see the purse on the table in the hall or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see the money on the dresser? Feeling a security in here, isn't it? Isn't it strange how we feel secure if we've got a few bucks on us? A little bit of paper? So dumb. Security's an inside thing. It's inside. And the more we learn about ourselves, the less we need all these things around us. Some people are real pack rats. No. Well, on page 67, we're talking about removing these mental blocks. You see, it not only works, it not only works with uh, uh, with physical things; it works with mental things. Because remember, the physical and the mental, the non-physical, are all the same. And we must create a space for the good that we desire. In the book, you'll see that I dedicate this book to my aunt Marg, Marg Moyer. Uh, I love her very much. She and I are very close friends. And Marg and Don, her husband, and daughters and family, they came to the seminar. And when Marg first came, she said it was, you know, it was such an awakening for her. She'd always been so subservient, and she never thought that she could have anything. And if she ever learned anything, I'm going to tell you, she learned this law. I was over at her house one day, and she was telling me how much she disliked her drapes. And I said, no, you don't, Marg. If you didn't like them, they wouldn't be there. I said, you only have around you the things you're in love with, in harmony with. She said, well, I don't love them. And I said, well, you really don't get rid of them. I said, have you never learned the law, the vacuum law of prosperity? Boy, I'm going to tell you, she locked into it. She got up and took the drapes down. Dawn was yelling, we haven't got any money to buy new ones. And I said, it won't be long until you have new ones there, Margie. You'll get sick of living in a fishbowl. She didn't listen to dawn. The drapes were gone. I said, give them away. I went over one day and there was beautiful new shears and new drapes on the window. And she was so happy. And every time she looked at them, she felt good instead of looking at the old ones and feeling bad. It wasn't too long. I went over there and all the living room was empty. There was no furniture there. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Then they went through the closet and cleaned the closet, so pretty soon she had new clothes. Do You know now they live in a beautiful home, brand new home. They got rid of the home. <laughs> and I remember when they were moving into this beautiful new home, I saw nothing going in the one end of the room, and I, I was looking, I was saying, you know, Margaret, the room's going to be a little out of balance. You should put something there. She says, there is something there. And I said, what's that? She's my baby grand piano. I said, what do you mean your baby grand piano? I said, you haven't got a baby grand piano. Oh, yes, I have. It's just not arrived yet. You know. <laughs> You go into their house today, there's a beautiful baby grand there. You must create a space for the good that you desire. On page 69, I'm going to ask you to write down closed closet under area. Closed closet under area. Now, I want you to write down a date within seven days of today's date. Completion date. Put down a day, could be today, tomorrow, the next day, but within seven days of completion date. Now, what I'm going to suggest you do is that you test this law. I'm going to suggest you go through your closet and every piece of clothes or garment you pick up that you do not wear, you get rid of it. You you just put it on the floor. And you're going to get to the point where you're going to grab one garment and you're going to have a difficult... It's almost like it's welded to the railing. (laughs) Because that garment you paid a lot for and you haven't worn it very often, in fact you only had it on a couple of times, but you don't like it, it doesn't feel right or it doesn't fit right, but you're thinking I spent so much on it it's so good I can't throw it out. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Completely clean the closet out. Get rid of the shoes. Nice idea, isn't it? That's right. You want a new... I know, I can tell by looking at you, you want a new... I mean, you're just so excited about this. Do you know in a relatively short period of time that closet will all fill up again? You'll say, but where will I get the money? You'll attract it, and you'll get the clothes that you want. There's a young lady sitting right here in the front, of Heather. She's just gone through that. And James paid. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want you to think of the other areas in your life that you want to get rid of things, different rooms. Some of you have a sofa you don't like. Get rid of it. Some of you have an automobile that you can't stand. Get rid of it. You won't walk for long. Now, on page 70, I want to suggest that you stop and think of some of the ideas that you had locked into your mind when you started to listen to this. I want you to write them down, and on the opposite page, write down the new idea that now you accept as the truth. Make up your mind that you are going to create a vacuum by letting go of that old idea and accepting the new idea. You study that vacuum law of prosperity chapter and study it, and study it, and study it, and I guarantee your life will be filled with beauty. Create a space for the good that you desire. I was talking to a manager of a sales operation. He was telling me he wanted more people working in his office. I said, do you have an empty desk? And he said, no. I said, you haven't got any space for one. I said, create a space for one. Get the desk. Put the phone on it. Put everything there that you need. And I said, before long, there'll be somebody behind the desk. And if you doubt me, you try it. If you doubt me, you try it. Now, we're going to bring this thing in for a landing. But before we do, I want to suggest that you watch this at least once a day. You don't have to watch it all, just a little bit. But you know the beautiful part about this is that I have been recognized around the world as having a lot of information on this one subject. And I get very well rewarded for sharing it. I really do. I don't meet many people that know more about this subject than I do. There are people around, but I don't meet many of them. And when you get to that point, your stock goes up. Do you know what always amazed me? I've never studied it very much. I've only studied it a little bit, but I studied it a little bit every day for 27, 28 years. And you'd be amazed just how fast it adds up. It's just like the $20 bill, Andy, 20 bucks today. In a short period of time, it's a million and a half. Put to work properly. You put these tapes to work properly. Every day, just turn them on for a little bit. Turn some of the junk off that you're walking on that box. Most people watch the best of the worst. They just flip around until they get something they can tolerate. Now, <laughs> use something that'll really stretch your mind.